You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Greetings, guys and ghouls, and welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Before we start tonight's show, please have a listen to this promo of a podcast that we think is to die for. Breathtaking landscapes. Mythical creatures, a people cast from the frozen rocks, time travel to a world of adventure, ritual, and mystery, time travel with the Twilight Histories Podcast. It's said that when Alexander conquered East, The Buddha conquered West. Now the Greek world is finally, finally at peace. The trumpets rumble from the Acropolis while you debate the Dharma and the Agora. Do not dwell in the past. Do not dream of the future. Just be. Time travel with the Twilight Histories podcast. Hey guys, we are back from New Orleans. Back, back, back. I think I still got some New Orleans crud on me somewhere, I'm sure. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 107 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. Love you guys. We have got so many things that we had happened down there that we just want to share with you guys, but we're not going to share with any of it because it's just not enough time. Okay, that's not true. I'm sharing some of it. I was going to say, dang, man. But some of it we shared on Patreon already, so yeah. some of those people already got that. But the bottom line is, we had a blast down there. We got to meet we some did. listeners. We got to meet some of their podcasts. We uh, hung out a lot with Forrest uh, Burgess from mm-hmm. one of our favorite podcasts, Astonishing Legends. Yes, we did. We got to hang out with a young lady by the name of uh, Maria Miller, who is the head of tourism in Atchison, Kansas, 
which uh, most of you might think, well, that kind of sounds familiar. That's because that's where the Sally House is. Mm-hmm. We've done that story, and uh, she came out and hung out with us. We did a bunch of tours together because she's handling like all the tours and stuff up there of all the haunted locations and the regular, and she wanted to see how these tours were done. Man, were they awesome. They well, were so awesome people. Just great, great people. We had a blast. We got the uh, the privilege of, of, since we drove and they flew in, they're from a little further away, we got to uh, drive them out to the Myrtles Plantation where yep. we took a tour together. And it's like a two and a half hour drive. So five hours of being in a car up and back of basically uh, picking, getting a chance to pick their brain and listening to stories and going back and forth. It was uh, the the most fun five hour oh, driving gosh. you'll ever yeah, have. Yeah, what an honor. It was just amazing. But anyway, so that was really cool. And uh, we put some cool pictures and stuff up you guys have probably seen already. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we all did the cemetery tour. Which was amazing. Yeah, that place was awesome. We got soaking wet. We did. Man, my hair was not having it, let me tell you. But I would just like to say thank you, Forrest, for letting me have your umbrella. You were very, so much gentleman. I appreciate that so much. Yes. And uh, Maria, I, I suffered the consequences as well because <laughs> when Tracy got the umbrella, um, she didn't have an umbrella that she was using. She shared, Tracy shared it with her for a little bit, but... I think after a period, she was just like, yeah, I think I'll just go without the umbrella. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a blast down there, guys. And, and uh, we're glad to be able to. We got to meet the, the girls from Color Me Dead. Yep. Angel and Nikki. We got to sit down and eat dinner with uh, Ryan from Rumor Flies, who yep. lives down there. We got to meet Greg for a few minutes. Ryan, uh, I will bring up when we met him, was in a red dress. He was. Looking pretty fine, actually. <laughs> they, they were having the red dress run down there, which is a big charity event where everybody wears red dresses and runs up and down. And uh, I didn't post any of those pictures yet, but I will post some of those. Everybody on Bourbon Street and all the streets surrounding and hanging off the balconies, everybody running around with red dresses. Yeah, it, it was really fun. It was it kind was, of kind of amazing when you yes, think about it. Very fun. But I thought what we would do tonight, and, and before I jump into that, obviously we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you're uh, supporting in. God bless you guys. Honestly, pray for you guys every day, and uh, I know you're working hard these days, so um, we just appreciate you so much. And then also, uh, of course, we want to mention the uh, suicide hotline, one 800 273-8255 that's here in the United States or if you're more of a texter 741-741 please remember that there's always somebody who will talk to you in your direst of situations yeah. whether that be people on the other line of those phone numbers or the people uh, at the text line they're all willing to talk to you any of the people in our group it's a good opportunity if you're listening and you're not a member of our uh, Facebook group. It's hit over 1,500 this week. That's amazing. That yes. thing just started in February, so that's pretty awesome. Very blessed. So be a part of our group, and you trust me, you will have a support group that you never thought you would have. Everybody in there is a friend to everybody else. It's the most awesome group I've ever been a part of. Zero negativity, ever. Ever. I know, ever. it's great. So be a part of that. Thank you, John, Natasha, and Tim for all the work you put into making that group what it is. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Okay. So let's talk about the story tonight. We're going to do all the Patreon um, supporters that there was a boatload of you and uh, iTunes reviews towards the middle and the end of the show kind of split it up so we can jump into the story real quick. We were down in New Orleans and we got to take a bunch of ghost tours and cemetery tours. We heard a bunch of stories, some of which were not true. Oh, I know. <laughs> some of which were, uh, but what it's going to boil down to is we got some stories that we're going to do for you guys 
that came from stuff that I really didn't know about until mm-hmm. we got down there. And one of them is going to be coming in, in recent weeks. We're not going to do it right away because I don't want to just bombard you with the New Orleans stories, even though we probably could because there were so many of them. But two of the stories that I found were significantly left off of the tours that we took were something I thought we would use for the show this week because I was expecting to hear it, but we didn't. We heard, all, I guess there's just so many stories. Oh, yeah. You there's can't, no you way can't we do them all. all. And we had an awesome uh, guide down there, the tour guide by the name of Edward, that he's going to come on the show soon and talk to us about some stuff. Yeah, he was very entertaining. Yeah, he's a master storyteller. This guy was like, man, I wish I could tell a story like he did. Mm-hmm. And we would probably have a successful podcast. Have- I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> More successful. There you go. Said. It's better. More successful. So let's talk about the first story. There's two stories tonight. One of them is shorter than the other, but we're going to leave with the short one. I know I'm going to shoot myself even asking this question, but have you heard of the Carter brothers? No. Uh-uh. No. Okay. I heard of Jimmy. Well, Jimmy and Billy would have been the Carter brothers. That's right. That's the only Carter brothers I know of. <laughs> well, this, well, that Billy Carter drank a lot. And these yeah. guys, these guys drink a lot, but it's a little different kind of drinking. So let's talk about it. So we thought, obviously, since we went to the New Orleans trip, that we would talk about these few stories. And the first is the story of John and Wayne Carter, better known as the Carter Brothers. Now, this story goes all the way back to the 1930s, which really isn't that far back when you mm-hmm. think about some of these stories in New Orleans. So John and Wayne made a living in New Orleans working on the docks the uh, of the Mississippi River. They actually handled seafood there. Now, by all accounts, they were just two normal guys. Nothing, you know, different stood out about them. They lived at the 800 block of Royal Street. We spent a lot of time on Royal Street. Matter of fact, the tour that we started was on Royal yes, Street. Yes, it was. And trust me, there's a lot of walking down there, and we uh, walked the whole length of Royal Street. Good Lord, my short little <laughs> legs couldn't handle it. In 1932, an 11-year-old girl with her wrists cut showed up at the police station. She said that she escaped from the Carter Brothers' apartment. Now, she said that her wrists were cut because the brothers had be, been feeding on her. What do you mean? Like sucking her blood? Yes. <gasps> oh, my goodness. The police went to the apartment, and they were in total shock of what they found. There were four other people that had been tied to the chairs. All of them had their wrists cut. Not deep enough to bleed out, yeah, but deep say. enough to be able to feed off of, yeah. so to speak. Gross. There was an adult male. An adult female, a 14-year-old girl, and a 9-year-old that was already dead. Oh, my gosh. Depending on which story you listen to, there's there's other accounts that say there were also dozens of other dead bodies that were in the apartment that were drained of their blood. So the police patiently awaited for the brothers to uh, arrive home from their jobs, which surprises me because if, if you've got all this stuff and you know where they work, why wouldn't you just go to their job? Well, that's true. But maybe they didn't know where they work. I don't know. I mean, they were, you're talking about the 1930s. It might not have been as... I guess maybe they wanted to confront them in the place it all took place. Well, that's what they did. And supposedly it took eight men 45 minutes to hold down and detain the two men who were normal-sized men. So the Carter brothers were supposedly convicted and executed by electric chair. How long? How long did it take them to execute them? I don't know. Like, did they have to wait a couple of years, or they did it right away? No, I'm sure. I mean, in the 30s, they didn't wait no time. Very long. People okay. were usually executed within a couple of months back mm-hmm. in the 30s. Mm-hmm. 
So they were laid to rest in the family tomb. Now, I will share a quick version of the story. Now, we did this on Patreon, but most of you didn't hear that. What we found out in the cemetery down there is how they work the tombs is there is a family tomb that's above ground. And to use the term that they used, New Orleans likes to slow cook their dead. That's exactly what they said. So they said they would put them, if somebody passed away, they would put them in the tomb. They would seal it. And a year and one day later, they would open it up. And that person from the heat down there and the way that the tombs were constructed would have pretty much wasted away to hardly anything. Yeah. Remnants. And then they would pretty much empty those remnants to the bottom of the tomb. And then that slab was left open for the next member of the family who passed away. If a family member passed away before that year and the day was up, there are other tombs that were set up that were almost like condominiums or apartments, Mm -hmm. as they call Mm -hmm. them. So it was just little slab after slab after slab where they would rent these people the tomb where they would stay until the the other person was finished with their year and a day, and then they would transport them over. So that's what would happen. You would never have two in there at the same time. Of of uh, so what if they what if their rent didn't get paid or whatever you just said? I don't know. I mean, did they just say, "Oh, that's it"? They maybe cremated them or something? I have or? no idea. Because keep in mind, cremation was not very big back in the day because it was against the Catholic religion and it's predominantly Catholic down there. So there really Mm -hmm. wasn't cremation back then. So in this situation, uh, that's, that's basically how it works down there. So they put the um, Carter brothers in there, in their, in in their tomb, which right there kind of goes against what we were told because they said they put them both in there at the same time. And supposedly that's not how it works. So I'm not sure. But anyways, a year later, as per uh, the the rules of, of what they do, they opened it up to take the caskets back, and there was nothing in the casket, supposedly. So when, like they, when they opened the vault, there were no remnants of the Carter brothers at all. What the heck happened? No well, order. Several locals believe that they never died, and they just moved on to other cities to commit heinous crimes. There is an account that says that they were never caught at all. So it says that the Carter brothers disappeared shortly after the victim went to the police. Uh, and as you know, that was the but end I thought of you it. said they were executed. That's what I said. But I said there was another account that said they were never caught. Oh. Okay, then. So that's where we, we're standing on that part of it. There's not a whole lot more on that case. Now, but the victims, this is where it gets uh, even a little more eerie. The victims obviously had some issues. Now, the rumor is that if a vampire drinks from your from your blood for mm-hmm. seven straight days, you become a vampire. With that being said, the adult male that was in the in one of the chairs tied up, he went on to kill forty two people. He became a serial killer. He dissolved their dissolved their bodies in sulfuric acid, Ugh. but he reportedly also drank the victim's blood before that. What a sick o. Now, the adult female checked herself into a psychiatric hospital voluntarily. Well, we both know how psychiatric hospitals were back in the 30s. Yeah. Voluntarily is not always voluntarily. No, not at all. So are the Carter brothers still hanging around New Orleans all these years later? Well, to this day, many people claim that they see the Carter brothers on a regular basis around New Orleans. 
even the the people who own the apartment building that the Carters once called their house said that they saw two men whispering to each other on the third floor of the balcony. When they realized, you know, they were spotted, they jumped off the third floor of the balcony, landed on, on the street, and then just disappeared. It's said that every year around Mardi Gras that the brothers returned to their home. Now, the current residents of the building tell stories about the brothers who make frequent visits. They said that the, the uh, first, when they first bought the house, they noticed that there were people up on the second floor balcony. They rushed out to pretty much tell them, you know, the hell's going on. Yeah. And they jumped off. So there's oh. two different accounts of them jumping mm-hmm. off of the balcony. So. That's amazing. They're still seen on a regular basis. Now, whether, you know, there's there's nothing that says that that story's not true. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Uh, that pretty much looks like it's a true story. Now, what happened, uh, there's some some questions about, obviously, were they caught? Were they actually electrocuted and, and put in the graves? How come there was no bodies in, in there when they mm-hmm. pulled it out? Mm-hmm. But I mean, you would think there would be a speck of something in there. You would think, but there was nothing. There was caskets empty. So wow. that's that's the story of the Carter Brothers. Short mm-hmm. but sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and vulgar. Ugh, disgusting. It is pretty disgusting. But like I said, there We've was. We've never seen him and didn't even know it. Uh, we could have. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to do really quick before we get uh, too far into this, I want to uh, let's go ahead and mention our uh, Patreon supporters who jumped in here. It's going to be a longer list than normal because we went two weeks, but I want to make sure everybody gets mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to thank you guys so so much for this. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we can't go, you know, the trip to New Orleans was for work, more or mm-hmm, less, or I guess mm-hmm. podcast work. And I mean, that's something that your donation stuff helped take care of. Yes. All these tours we took, all these pictures that we took on the way down the Sloss Furnaces and, and uh, uh, Dead Children's Playground and all that, all that stuff, we made this trip about you guys. Mm-hmm. As much stuff as we could do that we could report on, we did. Yeah, we sure did. So... I'm just going to breeze through these. Scared Podcast donated. Donald Mays. Bradley Collier. Greg Ranson. Hawaii Tran. Melissa Solace. Chris Jordan. Amy Yates. This is a different one. www.pacmanimpact.info. Nice. Crazy Eddie. Steve Cobb. A Paranormal Chick. It's got S on it. A paranormal, <laughs> paranormal chicks. Tanya, Stacy Schmidt upgraded from where she was to a, a higher level. Thank Ashley you. Baxter. We had uh, Trina join the group. Kobe Beaver Books, Sheila Perkins, Scott E, and Todd Hedges also raised his pledge. You guys are awesome, awesome. Yep, you guys are extremely awesome. Thank you so much Thank for you guys, uh, really. we, your donations. We mean it from the bottom of our hearts. We really do. And speaking of which, uh, while I'm on that subject. Tim Mullins created a uh, Patreon video for us mm-hmm. that it's out of this world, yep. literally. Literally out of the it's, world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would urge anybody to go. I posted it on Twitter. I posted it on uh, our Facebook group mm-hmm. and our Facebook page. Go take a look at it. He does awesome work, and he's been a huge help for our video part of the show. Yeah, but he actually he actually does this stuff, though, to uh, make some money and stuff on the side. So if you guys like what he does, hit him up. And give him an opportunity to create some stuff for you. Yeah. Just audio, video, mm-hmm. 
you name it, he does it, and he does a really good job very, at it. Very, very cool. And he's affordable, so that's what I like. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you, Tim, so much, honey, putting all that work into that. All right. This next story is one uh, Tracy will probably remember. Well, she probably won't. But we talked about this in the car with Forrest. I asked them mm-hmm. if they'd ever heard the story, and they hadn't, so I briefly told them the story. This is the story of the Sultan's Mansion. Mm-hmm. And I, this is the one house that we didn't get a chance to see down yeah, there. Yeah, we which didn't. It just time ran out. It was so crazy down there, but time ran out on us and we didn't get to see it. So we're going to be talking about the Gardet Lepret Mansion is the technical term for it, or the, the actual name, I should say. Now, supposedly it's one of the most photographed and admired properties in the French Quarter. I don't really know why, because the pictures I've seen of it, I mean, it's a nice place, but it's no different than... Uh-huh. And there's a bunch of nice places down there. There sure are. And especially the, the house of uh, uh, the La Larive mm-hmm. mansion mm-hmm. that Nicolas Cage now owns. What a crazy... This guy apparently is a nut job. Like, we didn't already know that. But he uh, he bought the place and never spent a day in it. And I think now it's... he's During the bankruptcy and stuff, I think he's... He never to, spent a day in it? No, Not he never... one day. Never spent a day in it. He supposedly bought this mansion... Because of all the hauntings and stuff like that. And then he never spent a day in it. He went out and bought him a pyramid-shaped tomb in the cemetery where uh, Marie Laveau's body is. And it just sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, my gosh. Everything's ancient and old and one type of architecture. This is bright white. (laughs) Yeah, it's bright white. It's it's just pyramid. It just looks ridiculous. And we got a picture of that. I, I think I posted that also. But... Yeah, he he bought this thing because he's really into all these spirits mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think he thought, from what what we were told, he thought that buying this mansion and 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 uh, he was after he bought it, he found out that how haunted it really was. So mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he was scared to stay yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And the caretaker stays in it on occasion or goes by. But they said it's really nobody's even been in it for like a couple of years ever since he's bought wow. it. And it's What's just that? caretaker goes in there and, and just cleans up a little bit, makes sure everything's working okay. But yeah. it's, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And uh, but supposedly he bought the tomb down there to kind of cancel out the evil spirits. Somebody told him that if he bought the tomb down there, he would be safe from the evil spirits in the. Lollery Mansion. Oh, well. My guess. See uh, how that works out? Just a very good salesperson is what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about this place. It's located at 716 Dauphine Street, uh, right at the corner of Orleans Avenue. It's it's a four-story home, very beautiful, and it's got a very unusual ghost story, the Sultan. So the home was originally built by a gentleman by the name of Joseph Colton Gardet. And uh, then he sold it just shortly after, like within a couple of years, to Jean-Baptiste Lepret. And he was a plantation owner in the, I probably mess this up, the Plaquemines Parish. And it, back in these days, it was pretty common for a plantation owner to also own a home in a city mm-hmm. for the cooler months of the year. Oh, okay. It's in. Can't imagine how cool it's going to get down in. Well, I can't either. Louisiana down there because it was. Mug is a mofo. Yes. So sometime after the the Union soldiers started to kind of occupy New Orleans and during the Civil War, Lepret ran into some financial problems, and he was forced to rent out his city house. Mm-hmm. The man he rented the house to will be the focus of our story. His name was Prince Suleiman. He was Turkish, and he claimed to be a sultan 
from some country in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had very many wives and a whole lot of family members. It was also said that he had lots of slaves and servants. Once he moved in, he started doing some redecorating. And by redecorating, I mean he put some heavy-ass draperies up so nobody could see in. Mm-hmm. He also padlocked the front doors, and he had Turkish eunuchs with swords right there in the front guarding it. Well, dang. To make sure, you know. Don't be going and borrowing yeah. no sugar from him. Yeah. <laughs> he used lots of heavy incense. People that would uh, pass by so that whenever he did open the door on rare occasion, that you could smell incense very strong out in the streets. Neighbor, neighbors became very used to the smell of opium and loud noise that would come from the house. A lot of music mm-hmm. and and uh, laughter and stuff like that. So he was having a good time. Oh, yeah. All the time. Like nonstop. So the Sultan's harem consisted of many women, but also young boys. Stories about orgies were really commonplace. Unfortunately, so were the stories of kidnappings of women, girls, and boys at the area around where the Sultan's house was. Yeah, that's not cool at all. It would probably be pretty hard to figure out how much of this was speculation and how much was fact, except there was a gruesome discovery from a neighbor that kind of shed some light on this whole situation. Most people said that the Sultan was a, was a very dangerous and cruel man who would not be above kidnapping women and children on the streets of New Orleans and torturing them into submission until they eventually would be added to his harem. So I wonder if he actually did the kidnapping himself or he sent somebody else to do that for him. No, he would have, he's got all kinds of people to do something. Okay, so he actually. He probably ain't doing nothing for himself. okay. So the details are going to vary upon who's telling the story, but the story is basically that uh, some variation of this. A neighbor woman is passing by. She notices the place is eerily quiet because we told you it was always always loud and noisy. So it didn't have the usual laughter and music that, that normally could be heard from the house. She noticed that there was a drip coming from the top of the gallery. It was blood. She went to the front door and there was blood pouring out from underneath the door. Ew. She ran to the authorities. Police uh, kind of came back to see see what was going on and they were sickened by the sight. Body parts were strewn all over the house. The floors were slippery w- with blood. Women, children, and guards were beheaded. Whoa. The mutilation was so intense that it was impossible to tell what parts went to what bodies. Heads, arms, legs, and other pieces of the people in the house were so butchered and scattered that the victims were never identified. That is insane. I mean, did he not think that with all that blood, something was going to drip out somewhere where some people could see it, or he just didn't give a crap? Oh, he was dead, too, so it didn't matter. Oh, he was dead? Well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What I miss? How come he was dead? Well, because his was the only body that was not mutilated. It was actually buried alive with one hand reaching up through the dirt as, uh, as if he was trying to claw his way out. Whoa, that's what he gets. He was buried in traditional Muslim funeral attire. The identity of the murderer remains a mystery. And from the looks of the body, he struggled pretty mightily his last few mm-hmm. minutes. So he had clay and soil and stuff like that from, from that you see a lot of in New Orleans was in his mouth and his nose. 
One story says that there was a marble tablet right above the grave, and it said in Arabic, The justice of heaven is satisfied, and the date tree shall grow on the traitor's tomb. And then some people actually say that a tall date tree grew up from that spot. No way. Can you imagine? It said, it said the body parts were strewn all over the house. No, I cannot even imagine. When I was a kid, I used to eat strewn tomatoes. <laughs> what? I think it's two tomatoes. No, it was strewn tomatoes because my, my uh, parents, they used to just toss them all over the house and say, go eat them. Oh, stop so it. So they were strewn tomatoes. <laughs> I had a rough childhood. That sounds like it. <laughs> you say tomato, I say child abuse. Oh, Either yeah. way. You didn't even get to add no salt to it. <laughs> Make it taste good. Ugh. So anyways, we got the, the date tree still supposedly going up. So at the time, police decided that there were pirates in the area and they were responsible for the massacre. It didn't seem to make sense to most people, though, because even though the stories persisted about a pirate ship that was docked for like less than a day and it left just as quick as it came, it, it was later discovered that Prince Solomon was not actually a sultan. As a matter of fact, he was just the brother to a sultan. Oh, so gosh. Most suspect that he had and some of his family stole a bunch of the fortune. It doesn't that, seem like prince and sultan should be in the same sentence. Why? I don't know. Because sultan sounds evil and prince is like, hey. <laughs> like that. Well, okay. Anyway, so most suspect that he stole a bunch of his fortune from his family. Uh-huh. And uh, him and the group that he was with just escaped from whatever country they were in and moved to the French Quarter. And that would have been plenty of motive for the sultan's henchmen, the real sultan's henchmen, to track him down and pretty much slaughter anybody that was in the house. Now, no one was ever charged in these murders. And there are several different stories that circulated about it, you know, for months, really, right after the uh, execution happened. But nothing was ever proved. Well, how scary would it be to live there then in that time? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad I didn't know that while we were up there. I've been looking over my shoulder. <laughs> this happened in the 1800s. Whoever it would have been, I don't think, would have been oh. still around. Well, you never know. So it remains actually one of the most intriguing mysteries in New Orleans even today. The many people have seen spirits or experienced paranormal activity that they think is the Sultan himself. One thing most people will agree on is that the house at 716 Dauphine is haunted, but probably not by the Sultan. So how can I be so sure of that? Because there is no historical evidence whatsoever that says the events we just described ever happened. You know, I was going to say, because I would have torn that thing down. <laughs> it's got all that blood and guts and and femurs and everything else <laughs> all thrown through the, to the rooms. I mean, yo. So the only mention of sultans at all in any New Orleans newspaper, even, you know, way back mm-hmm. through the days is when they actually would talk about the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. But nothing ever mentioned there. The only part about the story that does seem to be true is the fact that uh, Jean-Baptiste Lepret did have some financial problems because of the war. He lived in the house all the way up to 1878, and while the war kind of struck his family really hard, there's no reason to believe that he ever rented the house out to anybody during that period. This is kind of uh, ironic, so we can call up uh, Alanis Morissette, but... In fact, 1978, Citizens Bank foreclosed on the property. 
And the reason that's ironic is because John Baptiste Lepret was one of the men who actually founded the bank, the Citizen Bank. Oh, no. And not only did that happen, but he founded it in the parlor of his house right there at 716 Delphine. So the bank that he founded right there in that house ended up foreclosing on it down the road. Isn't that weird? <laughs> How does that even happen? So the story of the massacre started in 1922. There was an uh, author by the name of Helen Pitkin Schertz. She wrote a book called Legends of Louisiana, and she listed the Sultan story in this book. And <laughs> Damn, Nash. So the, the story <laughs> has been uh, taken as reality pretty mm-hmm. much and stuck ever since. So that was the first time anybody's ever heard of it. In the 1940s, the New Orleans Academy of Art moved into that uh, that building, but they had to close because there was a bunch of uh, students that were drafted into World War II, and they didn't oh. have enough students to keep open. It then became home to a, the homeless, which is kind of an oxymoron when you think about it, because if yeah. they have a home, they're not homeless. Right. But it stayed that way uh, for a while, back into the, the 50s, and it ended up becoming... Uh, an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. In 1966, it was bought by Frank uh, D'Amico and Anthony Visich Jr. They did some major renovations. They turned it into a sixplex apartment building, and it's now owned by Nina. I think it's Nieven. Mm-hmm. But it's still set up the exact same way as, no as a sixplex apartment. Now, just because the Sultan story may not be real. The hauntings of this house are very real. And the first one we're going to tell you about happened in the 1950s. This house, like I said a while ago, used to be nine apartments back then. Most of these were two stories. Now, there was a young dancer by the name of Virgie Gypsy Poston, and uh, she got one of the downstairs front apartments. Hers was just two rooms. Mm -hmm. So this place was run down, but Virgie said that she was just starting out, become a dancer, and this was all she could afford. She didn't know anything about the Sultan legend, and she didn't know anything that it was supposed to be haunted. Now, for the record, Virgie actually became a really known, well-known dancer and mm-hmm. uh, car- uh, choreographer, oh, cho- cool. choreographer, I yeah, should say. Yeah, for her. And she was known all over the world. But anyway, so she soon learned about all the strange things that were occurring in the building after she moved in. Now, one day, a man in oriental robes just appeared in front of her. Now, she said she only had two-room apartments. She had one door, which had a big, heavy, like, a a lock on it. Mm -hmm. And it opened out to the hallway, and a few yards from there was this giant, enormous, uh, giant, enormous, listen to me, this this enormous uh, central staircase. Okay. So that would lead up to the other apartments and all that right out of the hall. So she said that if anybody would have opened the door, she would have heard. heard. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the lock she had on it, if they'd turned the lock. So even Mm -hmm. if the guy had a key and opened Mm -hmm. up, she would have heard the lock turn. This was middle of the day. So she said one minute he was there, and the next minute he was gone. Period. Just vanished. She said he didn't seem hostile at all. He just stood there and looked at her, but she said it was terribly eerie and nerve-wracking. So then she saw the man a second time a short time later. She woke up and he was standing right at the foot of her bed. Oh, no way. She turned the lights on and he vanished. So she did what normal people would do and she abandoned everything the very next day. (laughs) And she went to stay with one of her girlfriends until she could find another place to go live. Now, a few days later, she had her most terrifying experience. Oh my gosh, what the heck? 
she and her girlfriend stopped by there to get the rest of her, her stuff out mm-hmm. so she could get out. So they're in the hallway of this empty house. And remember I told you they got that big stairway yeah. leading up there. They hear this long, drawn-out, blood-curdling scream that ended with a horrible gurgle. Oh, no. Her and her girlfriend ran to the door so fast that they both tried to hit the hallway at the same time and got stuck <laughs> with each other. In the doorway? The, in the hallway, because it was oh. like, a, a, I guess, a narrow hallway. <laughs> and the fact that they both tried to run, they kind of got stuck. <laughs> and she said it was scary as hell back then. Oh, but, my Lord, but I bet. today... She can laugh about oh, it. Oh, yeah. But she, she said they were so scared. Oh, my gosh. I would have been so scared, too. So, in 1966, when uh, Frank uh, D'Amico bought the house, they started that renovation to build it into the sixplex we talked about. So, neighbors started telling Gene, uh, which is his wife, about the bizarre history of mm-hmm. the house and uh, all the incidents that had, had taken place there. And she said that people would look at them like strange when they found out that they were the owners of this house. Some people said that they would even cross the street to pass the house so they wouldn't pass it on the same side. Oh. So she dismissed all these stories as super- Oh, she didn't, like, listen to them at all? No. She said she dismissed it as supernatural gossip and till she had her own experience. Oh, oh. So one night, she said she was, she was sleeping. She wakes up. She sees a presence in the room. There was a man at the end of the bed. And she said that at first she thought my eyes are seeing things. So mm-hmm. I'll close my eyes for a second. I'll let them refocus and I'll open up. And when she did, he was still there. She's like, fool, what you doing <laughs> in my room? <laughs> she said that he moved towards the bed oh, and it's God, almost no. like he glided on <gasps> the floor. Ooh. She said she turned on the light that was sitting uh, on her nightstand right beside her. And when she did, it lit up the whole room and there was nothing there. Oh, damn. She said her husband uh, just pretty much laughs at her and says she was imagining it. But she says she knows for a fact she saw what was well, there. Well, yeah. I mean, you're just not going to make that stuff up. So we talked earlier about the current owner. At least I believe this is the current owner. Mm-hmm. Her name is uh, Nina Nievens. And she said she's experienced a lot of missing items, uh, especially keys. She said really hadn't experienced some of what the other people have, but right. she's experienced that. But we do have another couple of quick stories on her. Now, there's, there's one man who moved into the first floor apartment with a, a partial basement. And he recalls a story that happened not too, too long ago. Supposedly this is in the last five, six, seven years. He said he was going downstairs to do some laundry. And he saw an invisible force shove his dog down the stairs. Oh, no. It will be on. If somebody <laughs> shoved Ninja down the stairs, it's time to fight. So just let's just picture this. You're there. Your dog is walking. And your dog doesn't lose its balance. It's just instantly just, you can just see forcefully just push. Uh-uh. Nope. He said the same dog will not go into the living room unless they're, uh, he kind of forces him in there. He will never go in there by himself. But if he goes in there and he carries him in there, pretty much, that's the only time Aww, this dog will go Poor doggy. Right now, according to historians and paranormal enthusiasts, there are two main goals to hunt this uh, area. One is a Confederate soldier in full uniform that several people have, have seen. Mm-hmm. I didn't find any stories, though, that dealt particularly with that. So he's just passing by, you know? I guess. 
And then there's a woman who probably lived at the house at some point that people will see on a regular basis. Other paranormal activity at house include the smell of incense, sounds of body parts hitting the floor. Oh, gosh. Shrieks and screams. A strange tinkling music that's heard late at night. I don't know what tinkling music is. Maybe like, maybe like from a music box or something, Mm -hmm. that type of. Yeah, maybe. There's supposedly a fair haired man that has been seen by several tenants and passerbys sitting in the window, and then he also appears throughout the house. And most people seem to have thought that that was the Sultan. What the heck is fair hair? Well, I mean, when I think fair hair, I think blonde, really light brown. So that doesn't, I mean, and maybe I'm just ignorant on the situation, but I, when I think people from the Middle East, I almost always think really dark, dark hair. Dark hair, yeah. So, that could be true. I don't know why people would think that would be the Sultan. And if the Sultan situation ever happened, uh, that's not going to be him. That's true. Very true. So, guys, that is pretty much the end of our show. Man, what a creepy place. Wait, we, we got one story that we're going to do coming up. That was from there. That's It's more of a true crime, but it does have a little mm-hmm. uh, possible demonic possession and um, another connection afterwards, much like we talked about the, the Carter brothers on there, how the guy uh, ended up being a serial killer himself yeah. afterwards. We've got another story that's a little more on that, but man, this story is mm-hmm. phenomenal. In and a bad way. Yeah, it's not any, it's not. any nothing about it good. It's sad on so many very, different levels. Yeah, it's very sad. But we're going to do that story coming up very soon. Before we get out of here, I want to do uh, our iTunes reviews over the last couple of weeks. A Pinter, Andy's Mammy, Amy in Texas, James336, Wicked Sherry, Jen Grana, Spider from Mars, Wrigglier, Abby Pancakes, Tropic Cyclone, Amy O Loves Live Shows. Well, thank you, Amy. <laughs> Kill Your Darlings. That's strange that that was the, an immediate follow-up. Pad 06260, Miles B89, A. Lily, It, I think that's what I wrote, Splinter 212345, I can't believe there's 212344 of those other than you, (laughs) 40KCS, Ra 1072, Jupiter Lee, Crystal C233, and... (laughs) Look, you Ho- have got to read that one. You have got I'm to. I'm not going to read it. I'll it's, read it. I didn't write it. I just wrote a whole bunch of letters. Oh, no way, man. Yeah. We got to write This it. is like 20 letters, and it's like QL5749321. But he spent a lot of time on that, but I think my phone might be dead, so. Yeah, well, let's hope that it is, because that's a lot of reading, and this will run the show in overtime. Oh. So, anyway, guys. We appreciate all of your reviews. Um. Keep them coming. We love to see them. We had a bunch, and I know it was two weeks worth, but we still had a bunch, and we appreciate those. Yeah, I remember the last show that we did, not the last week, because that was uh, just a retake of the, the Patreon uh-huh. show, but the show before, I said we were like eight away from a 1,000 reviews, yes. and now we're at 1,038, I think it is. Is that it? I figured it was more as many reviews that we've gotten. Yeah, so we've had a boatload. Yeah, we appreciate those. Uh, so keep them coming, if you don't mind, if you can take uh, a little bit of time out of your day. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this story that we told you, and we'll have a lot more exciting ones to come from our trip. Absolutely. And the one next week is going to be really cool. It's about a haunted brewery. Yes, definitely. A lot of spirits in there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, good. I, don't know. I get a few every once in a while. Yeah, every now and then. 
Before we get out of here, uh, you might have heard the promo at the very beginning of the show for Twilight Histories. Jordan runs an excellent podcast. He actually is one of the, the founders of the Dark Mess who invited us on and has given us a fantastic home uh, with a great group of podcasts. I mean, we're talking over 40 podcasts mm-hmm. on there. Groups like Pleasing Terror and Unexplained and Astonishing Legends and uh, Mad Scientist Pod and Rumor Fly. All those guys are all part of this. And one of those is his show. And if you like history and you like a lot of weird facts, but done in a dramatic way, check Jordan's show out. Twilight Histories is phenomenal. And to be honest with you, it's one of the few shows that are non-paranormal that I actually listen to. Mm -hmm. So give him a listen. I think you're going to love it. All right, guys. We love you and we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Have a great week. Hey, Hillbillies. If you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, Click on the tab for donations and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month, but regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier and you'll see what you get for free for that month, but you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you, we thank you, and we appreciate you.